My name is Kent. I'm one of the pastors here. Didn't they do a good job? You guys felt like singing and dancing too, didn't you? Yeah, let's give them thanks for that. Sometimes we talk about giving God a praise offering. We sometimes do that by clapping, but I think today we should do that by yelling Hosanna. Are you all ready for that? Okay, everybody, one, two, three. Hosanna! Okay, we're going to hear some more of this in our scripture reading for today, so I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 12. Many of us have been reading through the book of John, and so I thought it would be great if we just dwelt in this chapter today. John actually has one of the most understated versions of the uh, Palm Sunday events, but still very meaningful. So let's look at John chapter 12. I'm going to start reading with verse 12. John 12, 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and he sat on it as it was written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with the request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. This is God's word, and it's true, and we can rely on it. Who did? 
comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king. Do you remember the nursery rhyme, Pussycat, Pussycat? Anybody? I'll refresh your memory just in case you don't. Pussycat, Pussycat, where have you been? I've been to London to see the Queen. Pussycat, Pussycat, what'd you see there? I saw a mouse under her chair. This is maybe one of the saddest nursery rhymes of all. Because Pussycat went to see the queen in all of her majesty. And instead of paying attention to that, Pussycat was distracted and only saw the mouse that ran underneath her chair. This little kitty missed what she went to see. This is my fear for Palm Sunday. That we come here and that we miss what God wants us to see. That we get distracted that we are not aware of the thing that God says is most important. I have that fear because I think many of the people on that first Palm Sunday also had that problem. They came, but they didn't see what they really wanted to see. So the big question that we have for today is this. What do you see when you see Jesus on Palm Sunday? What is it that you see? We're going to try to get after that question by looking at what some of the people in Jesus' day saw. Okay, so this is a very familiar road to many people. We've heard the story of Palm Sunday. It's one of those things we repeat every year, year after year. On this day, we sing Hosanna, Hosanna. We do palm branches. We talk about what happened when Jesus came into Jerusalem. It's our normal thing on Palm Sunday. Many of us are very familiar with this story. We're especially familiar with the parade part. That's the part where there was this great exuberant crowd that came out and were celebrating Jesus. Now, some experts estimate that there may have been as many as two and a half or three million extra people in Jerusalem on Passover. So there's a large crowd. And they're excited. They're celebrating. This is a great festival for them. They're there for an important reason. They're pilgrims these three and a half, two and a half or three million people. And a pilgrim is a person who's actually going on a special journey. They're walking a path with the hopes that taking this pilgrimage will bring them closer to God. That's the thing that a pilgrim wants. They want to draw near to God. They want to have a special experience. That's the reason why they'll go on this trip. 
so that they can experience God in a special way. So they've come to experience God, and along this pathway, they meet Jesus. Now, I don't think this was just happenstance. There was a lot of buzz around Jesus. We recognize that right before this all happened, there was a raising of Lazarus. And so you raise Lazarus from the dead, and the word gets out. I mean, if there's anything that's going to draw a crowd or get a crowd excited, it's probably raising somebody from the dead. So I'm sure that these people have heard about Jesus. In this instance, it says the word was being spread around and passed around. A lot of people heard it. So the expectations are sky high. Everybody's expecting something really great. And so they are cheering when they see Jesus. Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, save us! There's a sense that this Jesus might be the one who's a Messiah, a one who's come for these people for this very reason. Hosanna, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But at this point, John veers the story in a new direction. He actually takes it away from our normal understanding of this Palm Sunday, and he introduces something that the other gospel writers doesn't introduce. He starts talking about these Greeks. So when he says that, he's actually talking about people who came from Greece. They're there to see this festival, which wouldn't have been uncommon. Some of these two and a half or three million visitors are people from the region who have heard about this great festival in Jerusalem, and they're gawkers. They've come to see what's going to happen. Even though they can't participate in Passover, they want to be part of this great celebration. So these Greeks have come, and they've also heard about Jesus. And so they've got a request. We want to see Jesus. I think they want to have a little interview with him. They'd like to know a little bit more about him. So they pull Philip aside, and they ask him, uh, can, we, can we talk to Jesus? We want to get to know him. Now, since this is such an important thing, they... Um, they want to be part of that moment. They want to be part of this experience. They're also on a pilgrimage, I would surmise. They're seeking something. We're not sure what. But at this moment, they're seeking Jesus. This is a great moment, you know, when you think about Jesus and the opportunity for his ministry to, like, get expanded. You know, for most of the three years that Jesus did his ministry, he was confined to one little area The word was kind of just among these Jewish communities that he was part of. But now these people from an entirely different nation have come, and they want to see him. They want to interview him. Maybe they want to follow. Maybe they want to believe. And this is a great moment for Jesus. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But then the story veers again. This is the description of what happens after the Greeks talk to Philip. So then Philip went to Andrew... And Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus, this is kind of odd to me that they describe this situation, why Philip doesn't just go, hey, Jesus, these Greeks want to talk to you. I have a sense that maybe Philip and Andrew were nervous about this. They maybe realized this wasn't exactly the pathway that Jesus has been talking about. So they both go to Jesus together. And then here's Jesus' response. Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it, provides, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servants also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Jesus launches into this little speech That doesn't seem like it's very inviting to me. Jesus starts talking. He says, 
Philip and Andrew go, hey, come, hey, these Greeks want to see you. And Jesus goes, well, let me talk to you about death, and let me talk to you about serving, let me talk to you about putting the seed in the ground, let me talk to you about the things that are required if you're going to follow me. This talk that Jesus gives doesn't seem to be the kind of talk that would draw a big crowd. He's talking about difficult things, hard things. This idea of the seed going into the ground is one that's very intriguing to me. Because you know what? I love seeds. You know what I like to do this time of year? I like to go to the garden center, Tyson's or Menard's, and I like to look at their seed displays. They got these big giant racks usually, and all the seeds are in little packets, usually color-coded by the type of seed that it is, and they're all in rows, and it's very bright and colorful. If I was going to take on another career... I think the career that I would pursue would be the stalker of the seed displays. (laughs) Doesn't that sound... And I actually would like to just sit there and then if people come and they sometimes put the seed packet back in the wrong slot, then I would slap them on the hand and tell them to get it right or something. (laughs) Or if they actually came and wanted to purchase one of those packages of seeds, I might stop them and say, no, you've got to leave that there because the display will not be complete if we take the seeds out of the display. Does that sound like a good plan? This is not what we do with seeds. We don't leave them in the display. If you leave them in the display, they do no good. You have to take the seeds, you have to buy them, you have to go dig in the dirt, you have to bury the seed in the dirt where the seed dies so that it can sprout, so that it can bear fruit. This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. You know what? This pathway that we're on is a pathway that's going to result in death And we've heard this every week now for many weeks over and over again. But again, the disciples, this is like, really, does it still have to happen? Look, there's these crowds of people. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Maybe you don't have to die. Go talk to these Greeks. Maybe the mission can expand to a whole new nation. Maybe the kingdom of God can expand this way. Look, multitudes are following you. And this is an intriguing situation. I think that Jesus was really tempted to abandon his trip to the cross. And these Greeks represented that temptation. If I could just get this nation saved, then the word of God and the kingdom of God could expand. Maybe I could skip the cross. I think this is what John's trying to tell us in this little passage. That Jesus was really tempted to take a different way, to take a different path, to take a shortcut that did not involve the cross. And I think that's why this language gets so strange and why Jesus actually pulls back. And as far as we know, even though these Greek men came and said, we want to see Jesus, as far as we know, Jesus never met with them. In fact, just a few verses later, we're told Jesus went into hiding. That's how John describes it. Jesus went into hiding. And if you follow John's story carefully to the end, Jesus is not on display publicly again in the Gospel of John until he's hanging on the cross. I think Jesus was really tempted. And so he had to walk away from these seekers. His hour has come, he says. The hour has come for him to be like that seed planted in the ground, to die so that it could bear fruit. And then Jesus says the reason for this and describes this kind of greater fruitfulness that will come after he dies. Jesus says, 
When I am lifted up, then I will draw all people to myself. This is the purpose that he has come to accomplish. This is the, the hour that he's in right now. And we don't want to miss this. We don't want to get distracted by this. Now there's another very interesting thing that happens here in John. The way he uses the word lifted up. This word lifted up can mean two things at the same time. It can mean either like I, I lift you up, put you up to a higher thing, I make you visible up like this, or it can mean exalted. I honor you. I raise you up by putting you on a pedestal. I, that kind of lifted up. And actually, John points to both meanings throughout his writing. He wants us to understand that Jesus will actually physically be lifted up and he will be exalted in that lifting up. There's a couple of different passages where this comes out very clearly. Um, and... Um, One of them is in John chapter 3. Listen to this passage from John 3. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, do you remember that story? The people were disobedient and so they were infected with this plague. And in order for them to be healed, Moses put this snake up, this golden snake up on a stick, and they had to pass by and look at it. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. This lifting up has this impact of exalting Jesus. Jesus himself talks about this in John chapter 8. He says where the son is going to be lifted up and then you will know his purpose, his reason for being here. So all of this is coming, I think, to a head on Palm Sunday to recognize that, yeah, Jesus is entering the city triumphantly, but he's also going to have to go into hiding in order not to be distracted from his mission. And that mission was to be lifted up, to be exalted. Jesus, I think, was really tempted on Palm Sunday, in the same way that he was tempted in the garden. And so we hear Jesus praying a prayer like this, if there's any way to remove this from me, then remove it from me. But then we know how he prays, but not my will, your will be done. So Jesus is not going to be distracted by the the palm branches, by the cheering, by the crowds, by the multitude. He's going to say, this is really triumphant, But in order for me to get to the greatest triumph, I'm going to go into hiding until the moment at which I will be lifted up for the sins of all people. This is what we celebrate on Palm Sunday. So even though we've been walking this road marked with suffering and we're sick of it, I know I'm sick of it, I want to get to the triumph, we have to wait one more week to get to the real triumph. In the meantime, we're going to see that the hour has come for Jesus to be glorified. Because Jesus is lifted up, He gives life to us who are dead to sin. Because Jesus is lifted up, he shows God's great love and his great compassion, his great desire for us. Because Jesus is lifted up, God, we can come close to God. We can draw near to God. We don't draw near to God under our own strength, by our own initiative. We don't draw near to God by taking some pilgrimage. We draw near to God because of what Christ accomplished for us 
lifted up on the tree. Jesus is lifted up and exalted, and that's what we're here to celebrate. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What do you see when you look at Jesus on Palm Sunday? Do you see Jesus triumphant and hidden and lifted up so that he can become the one who saves us? That's Palm Sunday. And I'd like you to just continue to reflect on that for a few more moments. We've prepared a little video with a song for you this morning to recognize that our hope is in Christ alone, the one triumphant, hidden, and lifted up. So think about that as you watch this and listen to the song.
because Jesus was not deterred from this path marked with suffering and continued to follow it all the way to the cross, we know that we have our hope in Christ alone. I'd like you to give everybody an opportunity to celebrate that with you this morning by uh, a couple of different options. You can pass the peace, say the peace of Christ be with you. You could say Hosanna to your neighbor, or you could just say good morning, glad to see you. Why don't you stand up and uh, celebrate this morning with your neighbor?